Good morning, everybody. So I'm, I'm blessed to be back. Uh, my name is Dave Sharon. I'm a pastor here uh, in Redwood City. I, I help uh, lead a ministry where we feed folks who live on the street uh, a couple nights a week. And um, just very blessed to be here this morning. So my reading this morning is going to be out of Luke. And um, we are going to read out of Luke chapter 10, 1 through 4. So I'll just go ahead and uh, just pray really quick. And then um, I'll read the scripture. And we'll just, just unpack it a little bit, okay? After this, the Lord pointed 72 others and sent them to by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out the workers into the harvest field. Go, I am sending you like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. Lord, Father, Thank you so much for this word. Thank you so much for this Bible. God, thank you so much for this morning and for uh, allowing us to be here um, to learn more about what you mean about going out and being in the field and harvesting that field, Lord. And what does that mean here today, this morning in your kingdom, God? What do you have for us? What are you going to prepare on our hearts this morning? So we just ask for you to bless us and Watch over us, God, and be with us this morning. We pray these things in your mighty name, in Jesus Christ. Amen. So it's interesting because I've read in a couple different commentaries and, and other scriptures where it talks about the 72, and it also in some scriptures says 70. But in this case, it really doesn't matter. I don't think too much about the numbers, whether it's 70 or 72. The fact is, is that the Lord is sending folks out to go before him because there's many areas where the Lord hasn't reached yet at that point, and he knows that his time is coming short, right? That's why we're in this, this 40 day of Lent. This is what, this is what the buildup is, right? We had the birth of Christ, right? And then we, now we celebrate where, you know, God has, you know, the Lord has had 33 years of his life here on earth, and, and we're at that pinnacle point where he is going to go to Jerusalem. He's going to be, he's going to be crucified, and, and, he's, uh, and he's died, and now he's going to be resurrected, Right? And um, I don't know about you, and, I, and I've preached this at, at the ministry a couple times, I, I love Christmas. I really do. I love Christmas. I love what Christmas means. It's really interesting. You know, I have 13 years clean and sober off drugs and alcohol, and, you know, when I was, all my life, I grew up completely an atheist. Matter of fact, I grew up in a home where I was told that God did not exist. And if he did exist, he was a very evil, mean person. Kind of like the, the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain kind of God, right? Fire, brimstone. Um, but then, you know, Christmas to me only meant, you know, Christmas presents, the Christmas tree, you know, Santa Claus, all that, right? But then I get saved and I hear, hear about this, this birth, this, this Jesus, this Lord, this Savior, my true father, not my earthly father, who, who I love dearly, who, who, who I ended up growing to, to, to love and, and have, have an amends with over the last couple years of my life, right? But this, this, earth, this, this heavenly father who gave of himself to, for all of us, right? But then as I get to know more about Christ and I, and I learn more about his life and his walk here on earth, and all of a sudden Easter takes on a whole new meaning for me. 
Because truly, Easter to me is what I really celebrate. I love the birth of Christ, but actually what he fulfills, what Christ actually fulfills is not only does he get crucified and dies, but he's resurrected, right? You can look at any other religion, you can read any other book, and there's not one of them that claims that bold claim, right? That Christ died for all of us. And if you really, really think about it, we're all, I mean, I know you're going to hate me for saying this, but we're all pretty wretched. Let's just be honest, right? I know there's some of you that are sitting here this morning saying, hey, I'm not a sinner. I've never sinned, you know, but we can talk about that over a pancake in about, in about 20 minutes. Um, but, and you know, it's okay because like my friend Bill always says that there's this river in Egypt. It's called denial. And you can live in it all you want. But the truth is, is that we're all sinners. We're all wretched, right? Some of us had some pretty horrible thoughts just on the way here this morning. <laughs> I know it's hard to believe, right? Because you think that you wake up this morning, you have your holy coffee, right? Because you prayed to the coffee pot or the, the Keurig, right? And, and on your way to church, you and your kids and your wife, you had such a great relationship as you're trying to get out the door to get to church in the morning, right? I know I have an 11-year-old, so I know how that works right? I live, I actually live less than a block away from my own church, and I still end up 10 to 12 minutes late almost every Sunday. But let's, but I digress, but what kind of harvest is, is, is Christ actually talking about in this, in this passage? So you, you saw the slides where, before the children went off, right? So you see that massive tractor that's plowing the fields, right? Hundreds of rows at a time now, right, which is mass production, right, because we all have Costco, right, so we need that mass production, right, but it all, it all of a sudden it comes down to where you see the one kid where he's got no, no ox, no donkey, nothing, right, and I can imagine back then, my, I, I grew up, I, you know, I'm old enough to where I grew up where my grandfather told me of stories that when he, when he was a kid, he, he grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, right, and you were lucky, you were so lucky if you made it past the fifth grade, and why is that? Wasn't the lack of education. You had to work, right? You had to work on the farm. My grandfather was one of those guys that when he was, when I was a kid, I'll never forget um, when he would shake my hand, it was like shaking a hand of iron. It's because he held onto those plows and he, and he worked on the field and he was a steel worker. I also felt those hands on my, you know what, a few times. Those were heavy hands, Right? But this is the harvest that what we're, what we're talking about today and what we're celebrating and what I'm, what I'm here to share with you. And this is a harvest about souls. This is a harvest about those who have not heard your word. This is a harvest that Jesus says, hey, listen, go out and share the good news. And what is the good news, right? The good news is that we have a Savior who has come to save us. We have a Savior who, because of, because of Christ, we have a relationship with Him. We also have a relationship with His, our, His Father. And if we have a relationship with Him and we stay in relationship with Him, that means that when we pass away, we go to heaven and we get to be with Him for all eternity. Right? I don't know. I have, I have tried to figure out how long eternity is. And all I could really figure out is a pretty long time. Right? Right? Where do you want to spend eternity? 
Where, where do you want to be, right? Do you want to be self-serving, self-seeking, or do you want to serve others and, and plant that harvest, right? So when you die and you go in front of Jesus, and let's face it, we're all going to die. I hate to break the news to you, but it's part, you know, part of life is death. We're going to face Jesus, and Jesus is going to look at you, and he's going to say a few words to you. And what are those words that he's going to say to you? You know, and that's not for me to judge you. That's for you to think about that yourself, right? Because I'm not here to judge you or condemn you at all. I'm just here to give you the word, right? Jesus says, go. I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Wow. Crazy, right? So think about that for a second, right? I, I think about like, you know, if, if Jesus is saying, okay, wait a minute, so you're telling me I'm a lamb, and you're telling me outside those doors there's a pack of wolves, and you want me to go out there, right? Basically, no sandals, no purse, no bags, no food, just have faith in you, right? So I can just imagine what the 72 people are thinking. is like, ah, I'm not sure if I'm following you on that one, Right? Well, that's what he asks all of you and me, myself, to do all the time, right? What do you think the world is? What do you think the world's full of? The world is full of wolves, right? I think of, my, I think of today and, you know, gosh, Shannon and I have had coffee and talked about this a little bit. And I think, gosh, you know, there's not a time where I can't turn the television set on or look at news or look at stuff that's going on in the world where it's just like, wow, are you kidding me? Like this, the world just seems like it's just imploding on itself, right? But when I think of that, I also think that that's why we should really, really be very diligent about going outside these walls, outside this church every Sunday from, from Sunday afternoon till the next Saturday night, sharing the good news, telling people about Jesus. Why would we be afraid? What, what, what is so, I don't know, how, how many of you have ever asked somebody something, and guys, you know you, you know, you got wives or girlfriends or whatever, how many times have you ever asked somebody out for a date or you've asked somebody a question and they've said no? Right? Guess what? You're all still living. You made it. You survived it. Didn't crush you. Might have hurt a little bit, right? But guess what? It's the same thing about sharing the Word of God. Right? I, share, I share God's good news all over the place. And I can't even begin to tell you some of the things that people say to my face. Right? <clears throat> Definitely not going to say it off this pulpit. <laughs> right? For sure. I mean, I want Shannon to invite me back again one day. But you know what? It doesn't stop me. Okay? So just really quick. Here's a reason why. Just so you have an idea, some context. As I said, I was raised pretty much in an atheist home, okay? I was, a, I was physically abused, I was mentally abused, I was sexually abused, I grew up, I was addicted to drugs and alcohol, spent a lot of, my, my summer camps were in and out of county jail, okay? Was looking to go to prison, got saved by a Christian judge who shared the good news to me from his pulpit, right? His pulpit was, yeah, Yes. Now, I had an option. Go to prison for five years or go to Salvation Army. Right? 
you think you would know, yes, right? You think you would know, oh, well, obviously he's going to Salvation Army. Well, yeah, I had to think about it. <clears throat> because of my choice decisions that I was making there were going so well for me, I had to choose whether Salvation Army or prison was going to be, which, which was going to be the best option. Well, luckily I chose Salvation Army. Went into Salvation Army. I saw the, the name over the so top of the door said Salvation. I didn't really see the Army part until about 4.30 that next morning. <laughs> and they come in and they start yelling at you and they're screaming in you, your face to make your bed and you make your bed, you don't make it right, they tear it apart, make your bed again, they tear it apart, make your bed again, tear it apart. And uh, it, it, it's a process, right? It's a process. That's what I've, I feel, it's the same process and the reason why I bring this up, it's the same process that all of us have here today if, if we allow it. God breaks us down, and he tears things apart from us, and then he, we, he breaks us down until we become completely humble and on our knees and surrender to God, right? I had to be broken down of who I was and the just rottenness that, that I had filled myself with had to be broken down and be humbled so I could then be ready to be saved and then be brought into a place where I want to serve, Right? A lot of us here today, we need to be broken down so we can be a place where we can serve so then we can go out into the field and tend to that harvest. Right? You know, like, w w um, think about it. There's, there's some passage in, in, when we talk about Scripture where, you know, you just throw seeds down on the ground. If you throw seeds down, if I threw a, a bunch of seeds down here on this pulpit, spray a little water off of it, and I walk away, what's going to happen? Right? Shannon's going to be really mad at me. That's what's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen but water and seeds. But if you go outside and, and, you, and you have some nice soil, right? You got s springs here, sort of, right? And, and, you, and you put the seeds in the ground and you till it and you put some fertilizer and you water it and, and it gets nice sunlight. And the next thing you know, a little green little seed comes up, right? And then about, about a couple weeks later, a beautiful flower comes out of it. Amen? So I say that because... I, you know, I want to share another story, you know, and I, and I hope that you, are, is everybody coming for pancakes? Four, four people. Well, good. <laughs> so that means that we got a lot of pancakes to eat, right? So, um, <laughs> yes. So I hope you guys do show up afterwards, whether you eat a pancake or not, because, you know, the other part is, is I want to share a story with my buddy William, who's here too, that I'm going to brag about for a second. Okay, so we go out, myself and a Redwood City police officer. I, I hang out with the Redwood City police today. It's amazing. Absolutely. <laughs> Is it, yeah, it's, it's absolutely amazing today to hang out with a police officer. The first time I was asked to go on a ride along with a police officer, I was in this cop car for about 15 minutes before we got ready. He was debriefing me on stuff. And I'm just snapping pictures all in the front seat. And he looks at me and he goes, what are you doing? And I told him, I go, I've never sat in the front seat of one of these things. <laughs> I, says, I go, I'm putting this all over Instagram and Facebook. I said, look at me now. I'm in the front seat, no handcuffs. I'm right next to the, hand, the machine gun. I mean, like, this is like, are you kidding me? Like, I've always sat in the really hard plastic seat in the back. And he just thought, he just thought that was hilarious, right? And, um, but anyway, we go and we go out two by two, like Jesus says, to go out two at a time. And the reason why he did that the reason why Christ asked these folks to do that was not because he didn't, he didn't, he didn't feel like <clears throat> they could all just go out, 
but it's for accountability. It was for actual accountability. It was for moral support. Because what happens to us, folks? Right? What happens to us? If I tell you to go out and do a task and you go by yourself, what ends up happening to most of us, at least I know for myself, is that I would love, I'd go out of these doors, I'd be all energized, I'm going to go serve the Lord and every single person I see down the street, I'm going to start sharing the word, sharing the word, sharing the word, and then I get down to El Camino and I'm ah, kind of tired. Right? Well, the two together hold each other up. It's about for moral support, right? Us in the ministry, the way we look at it is, is men work with men, women work with women. I never go into a campsite unless there's two of us, right? We deal with a lot of drug addiction. We deal with mental illness. We deal with a lot of sexual uh, uh, stuff, you know, and so we make sure that we keep ourselves safeguarded. I can only imagine that Christ had that right. Like he knew, go two at a time. Hold each other accountable, moral support, watch over one another. Because you know what? You never know what somebody might say. You never know how the enemy might plant something. So make sure you go together as a team. Does that make sense? Right? Like my wife is, is one of our female outreach leaders. And she goes with um, Bill Morrison, our, our male outreach, and they go together. They keep each other accountable. They lift each other up and, 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 and keep each other, you know, on target. They watch over each other. Mainly, I, I want my wife to be watched over as she goes into campsites by herself. You know, I don't want her going to campsites by herself. And Bill Moore, Bill has definitely built a, a solid relationship with our folks on the street. They trust him. And that means a lot. But we're going out one day and we're driving uh, down in Redwood City and uh, uh, Officer Rasmussen, he says to me, he says, hey, he says, you know, I don't, I'm not really seeing anybody. You know, there's really just, there's like today, it was like, it was one of those days where we just couldn't really find anybody on the street. And so we're coming off of uh, Woodside Road and we're coming down the Cloverleaf to get onto El Camino right there by uh, Bed, Bed Bath & Beyond. And we're coming around and I see a lump over, in, over by the water ravine. I see this lump and I said, hey, there's somebody right there. And he says, really? And I go, yeah. I go, I swear. I go, there's somebody in a sleeping bag over there, right? So we pull over and we're walking over and and, you know, he's just like the typical officer. He jumps out and he gets ready to go, you know, into action. And all of a sudden, I'm, I start going, man, I, it just hits me. Gosh, I hope whoever's in that sleeping bag is alive. Like, because I didn't see any movement, right? So I'm kind of freaking out. Like, I'm praying, but I'm also thinking, oh, man, you know. So we roll up, and next thing you know, William's in the sleeping bag. And he's like, says to us, oh, my gosh. Like, I just prayed like 20 minutes before that if God would send me a sign and send me somebody, that I would surrender everything right then and there. And boom, here we show up, right? You know, and then we go, we go, we go from there. We go over to Bed Bath & Beyond, and we're in the parking lot. I call Bill. Bill runs, just jumps right out and uh, comes over. We start doing our outreach, and our, we start doing our intake. Uh, William needed a cell phone. So we sent him over to Metro and, and got his cell phone uh, turned on and paid for so we could, have, so we could stay in contact with him. Because a lot of times our, you know, we, we, we lose contact really fast with some of our folks. And we want to make sure that we can you know, stay at tabs. Really, really, you know, it's very important, right? But what I saw was is that almost instantly I saw a flower blossom, right, with, with William. Goes to city team, goes into city team, right? 
And, they, and here's where the challenges are. Here's how the enemy throws stuff, right? So City Team, over, do you guys know about City Team? It's a Christian program. Yes, it's a very, very good program. Next to Salvation Army, of course. Um, but uh, so on 6th Street, where right outside is lower market, kind of tenderloin area, William's going there. He's doing a great job. He's really enjoying it. What do Salvation Army's owners do, the people that own the land? They decide to raise their rent 900%. 900%. So what does Salvation Army do? City team. I'm sorry, city team. They have to shut their doors. Can't pay 900% markup in rent, right? I'm like thinking to myself, oh my gosh, we're going to lose William. We're going to lose William. So we did kind of lose track of you for a minute, not knowing that he went to Walden House and was doing great. And then we, we, were, we made contact again and haven't lost I mean, we, it's, I mean, I, this is my brother. This is my brother right here. You know, I love this guy. And, you know, and we've helped, you know, he's gotten a job with, with another, with an organization that we're partnered with, a, a, a Purple Tie, where, where they do, it's a corporate dry cleaner. And one of the owners goes to, um, goes to my church. And so he said, hey, I would love to start hiring your, your folks from the street um, and give them a chance. He brought William on and William's been doing a great job ever since. But I say that to all of you because that's, that's what we need to do, right? We take a chance. We go out. We share the gospel. We share the good news. And so I say that to everybody here this morning because I'm not too sure where all of you guys sit. I know everybody here, there's a lot of you folks that are probably doing a lot of stuff for, for God. And then there's probably some of you who, who maybe kind of thinking like, ah, I'm not too sure. Maybe, Right? I think one of the things that I hear the most from people is, is um, I don't know, you know, pastor, I, I, I don't feel comfortable around homeless people. Like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. You know, what, what, what if the person starts yelling at me? What, what if the person, you know, what if the person is really loaded on drugs and alcohol? Well, my question is to you is, so what? So? Who cares? Are you with the Lord or are you not with the Lord? Is the Lord watching over you and protecting you or is he not? Do you trust in God? I'm not saying to anybody here to put yourself in a dangerous situation. I'm not asking anybody here to just throw themselves underneath an overpass with people that are in a campsite. I don't recommend that for anybody in here. Please don't go just leave this church and start going down 101 and finding all the clover leaves that you see a tent and start approaching people. That's not what I'm asking you to do. I wouldn't want you to just show up at my house and walk in my living room unexpected. So I'm not asking for you to do that. But what I am saying is that you, you know, like that video you sent me the other day from, from Seattle, Washington, right? As everybody know what's going on in like Seattle and downtown San Francisco, it's, 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 it's falling apart, right? I mean, there's tents. I mean, I was in, I went to go see uh, John Christ last night. He's a Christian comedian in Oakland and we were over there. I mean, it's just, I mean, it was a one and a half walk from one and a half block walk from, from the restaurant we went to to over, and I must have counted 40 different tents just along the sidewalk, right? It, it's an epidemic right now, right? It's a crazy, crazy epidemic, you know? I mean, I can go into this like in, in more detail, but I mean, seriously, I mean, you know, rents are what, $5,000 for a one bedroom apartment, which is like literally ludicrous as far as I'm concerned. But, you, you know, you, you're dealing with, Drug addiction and mental illness. And, and some, is, some is just mental illness and some is just drug addiction and some of it's both, 
right? Most of it's both, right? Self-medicating. But, folks, how, how you know, I, I would have to say, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe Bill can help me with this or, 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 or whatever, but I, I would have to say 85 to 90% of the people who come to the ministry, and we serve 50,000 meals a year, okay? It's not like we don't, we don't just have a couple people show up. We, we're, we're up and down the peninsula, you know, and I would have to say 80 to 90% of the people that show up know Jesus. They either grew up in the church and, you know, horribly enough, the church shot them down in judgment, right? Because let's face it, right? The Christian church is pretty good at machine gunning their, our own wounded, okay? It's just, it's, it's the truth, right? Because I hear stories from all of my folks on how they were treated by the church that they went to as they grew up. It's like, wow, you know, I apologize on behalf, as, as a pastor, I apologize for that kind of judgment. Then the other is, is that they grew up in the church and because of their own shame and guilt, feel like they're not welcome back into the church because, well, God can't forgive me for my sins. Well, the thing is, is that every one of us here, right? I mean, I'm, is, do you guys do BSF? Yeah, Bible studies, right? You guys got a bunch of Bible studies, right? So there's some of you in this room that I guarantee you, if we burned and destroyed every single Bible on the face of this planet, there's some people in here right now that probably could rewrite the Bible word for word in every single translation, right? I'm sure of it. In this, in this church, there, there's probably a handful of people that could come together and rewrite this Bible word for word in almost every single translation and probably every single language there is, which is amazing. Why are, why are we not out there doing the same thing with the folks on the street, right? Letting them know. Read the Old Testament. If you read the Old Testament, wow, that's like you can't even, you could never even produce a TV show that's got as much drama that the Old Testament's got. I mean, you read the Old Testament, I'm like, I mean, murder and oh, I mean, just crazy. I mean, look at, look at who God chose as his only, his begotten son. I mean, not his only begotten, sorry, I'm sorry, a man after his own heart. I mean, look at King David. What a train wreck, right? That guy was a mess, Right? So when I hear people tell me like, oh, you know, pastor, you know, I've sinned too much. God will never, God will never forgive me for my sins. I'm like, really? Seriously? Let me go through the road of, of where, let's just go through the blood lineage that Jesus birthed out of. That's a mess all on its own, right? But why does God, why did God produce a Bible like that to, to share with people? Because he wants people to know that there's absolutely nothing that you can do that is so far wretched that if you ask for forgiveness, he won't forgive you. There's absolutely nothing that any one of you or any of the folks that live on the street or anybody could ever do that would <clears throat> defile the name of Jesus so much that if you didn't humbly come to him and say, I'm sorry, he wouldn't say, come on, let's go. Pick up your cross. So I'm just, I just urge all of us as a church, as a church body, right, even in your own home, right, I feel challenged every single day by my 11-year-old son, every day. I don't know how many parents in here feel the same way, but my 11-year-old son is going through that little transition between <sighs> a little baby child that I want to hold and just say, don't grow up, to now he's like kind of like, get away from me. You know what I mean? He wants to, you know, it's like that independence thing, right? And I'm trying to share the word of God to him and, 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 and minister to him in my own home and and you know, and you, you, this is, oh my goodness. I mean, I'm sure there's some parents in here that could totally understand where I'm going through, 
right? Because you're going through it yourselves or been there, right? So even our own home is a little harvest, right? Our, our workplace is a harvest, right? I'm sure that there's many of us that go out to work on Mondays through Friday and the person that's working in the cubicle next to us, you may hear some of their conversations or see what they're doing and you're just, you're just laying your hand on the side of the cubicle, Lord, please pray for these people, right? Right? But share those conversations with them, right? Don't, don't be afraid. You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. Just tell them that, you know what? Hey, just want to let you know that the Lord loves you. That's it. You know what I've noticed in, in the 13 years I've, I've been out on the streets ministering the Word of God to folks? One of the things I have noticed, and this is pretty, pretty universal wherever you go, and I, I like going to the Tenderloin myself. I love going into the Tenderloin because it's one of the, one of the areas where, where I can go into a group of, say, two, 300 folks that live on the street and they don't know me, right? Up and down the peninsula, it's kind of hard for me to kind of get away from that because I work with a lot of folks that live on the peninsula. So my wife and son and I like to go into areas where, where I could just, I just want to be, I just want to pray, right? I don't want to be known as the pastor. I just want to go pray, right? But it was interesting I've noticed is that I could talk to a hundred people who live on the street and I say, hey, do you know the living word of God? And I guarantee you they're going to tell me to get out of their face. Almost 99 out of 100 will tell me to get out of their face. But the interesting thing is, is almost 100 out of 100, if I don't even mention the Word of God, but somewhere in the conversation I say, hey, can I pray for you? Just pray for you. Like, oh, you would do that for me? Go, yeah, I want to, I want to pray for you. But I want to let you know something. When I pray for you, I just want to let you know that I'm going to pray to my God and my God is Jesus Christ. Are you okay with that? Oh, absolutely. And then just ask them, what can I pray for? And you'd be surprised what you're gonna, you're gonna hear, right? They earnestly want to be prayed for. Everybody wants to be prayed for. I don't know about anybody here, but I love people. When people tell me, hey, pastor, I've been praying for you. Oh my gosh, how did you know that my life was a mess? Like, I really, seriously, thank you so much. I really hope that you're serious about praying for me, right? Because the enemy loves to attack, attack my life. I don't know about anybody here, but... I felt the enemy attack, especially in my marriage. The enemy loves to attack my home a lot. You know, it's just crazy to watch how the enemy tries to infiltrate in my marriage, right? But it doesn't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know about anybody here. I, like I said, I'm not here to judge you and stuff, but for me, it's, it's, it's about trusting in the Lord. It's about having faith in Christ and then going out and sharing that with others. And you know what? Folks, I know one of the things that's hard as humans is rejection, but don't worry about it. Don't worry about being rejected, right? Guess what? Our Savior was rejected. He was rejected in the most horrific, most painful, most um, unbelievable way. Like, you know, if you think about what Christ went through for us, that's horrible, right? It was so horrible that the 12 disciples even took off. Right? They're like, when they saw what happened to Christ, and everybody goes, hey, weren't you that? Nope, nope, not me. Nope. They were like, they were gone, right? But what, what had happened though? What happened when Christ came back and showed himself, and he showed his hands, and they saw the holes in his hands? What happened then? Right? Twelve disciples were, were like, oh, wow. Right? And then they really went out and shared the gospel, and man, they, they suffered. They suffered. What are we doing today as a church to suffer for the name of Christ? What we have to get outside of our comfort zones and be uncomfortable for Jesus. Is that am I making sense? Is that good? Cool. Good. You guys still with me? 
Yeah, I know. Thinking about pancakes. Um, that's, I mean, that's pretty much what I have right now. That's pretty much my message is I just, I just earnestly, I was, I was praying on the way over here. So it's funny. I put all these notes together, just praying and, and I'm sitting there and, and, and I'm listening to the worship music. By the way, your worship music is off the hook. That's, that was, thank you so much. Um, and I was just thinking, you know, um, what freedom we have in Christ, Right? We have a lot of freedom, folks. Right? My life is beyond blessed. Right? I, I like last night going and seeing, does anybody know who John Christ is? Yeah. So I've, I just, you know, there's certain things in my life since I became a Christian that I just thought would never kind of be fun again. Right? Because I've seen a lot of stand-up comedians. Like, like I've, I'm old enough to where Circle Star Theater was still around. I've seen Richard Pryor. I've seen, I've seen, seen, some, I've seen some folks. Right? And, and now that I'm a Christian, I thought, ah, nah right? But it was, there were free tickets. Man, I went to this show last night and they, they had three guys get up and, and, and do stand-up comedy. I haven't laughed that hard. I mean, my sides are still hurting. It was unbelievable. And you know what most of their jokes were about? Us. And it was all true. I mean, like all the Christianese and all that stuff and, you know, what pastors do and what people in the congregation do. It's hilarious because we are just funny people. Right? We are. We're just, we're just goofballs, you know? But it's awesome because it's great because when you can laugh at yourself, that's great. It's also good medicine, right? So let's, you know, this morning after we leave here, just let's not be so hard on ourselves. Let's not be so hard on other people. And when you see that icky person out there that's kind of panhandling, that looks like he or she hasn't showered in a while, maybe he or she is, is mumbling some stuff to him or herself that it seems kind of off base, right? I'm not asking for you to go and give 10 bucks to somebody. Matter of fact, I ask you not to give money out. Please. What's that? Buy them something to eat. Yeah. And if you have the time, if you have the time, actually sit down with them and eat with them. Because I'm telling you, you're going to find some amazing stories. And you'll know what's truth and what's not truth. Trust me. But that's what God would do. Right? That's what, exactly what Jesus would do. Right? Jesus would sit down with somebody and break bread with them and just listen. Don't, you don't have to even say a word. Trust me. All you have to do is say, what's on your heart today? And they will fill your, your whole 30, 40 minutes that you're with that person, what's going on in their life today. Right? And guess what? Guess who becomes more blessed out of that? You do. Because you walk away and you go, wow, that person reminds me of my sister, reminds me of my brother, reminds me of my uncle, my grandmother, my grandfather. I have not yet sat down with somebody who lives on the streets that doesn't remind me of, some of my, one of my relatives. And I just think, you know, and I know everybody in here has heard this before and I'll shut up after this, but everybody in this church, every single one of us, just think about it. You're one paycheck away from homelessness. One paycheck. 95% of everybody right now in this world doesn't have enough money in their bank account to handle a major catastrophe in their home. And they're one paycheck away from being in a tent on the sidewalk. So if you think about that, how are you any different than that person? How different? We're not. We're not. We're not any different. So why would we not want to share the good news and let them know, hey, look, I, you know what? I, I'm your brother and sister in Christ. Right? So let's pray.
Lord, thank you. Thank you so much, God, for this morning. Thank you so much for this word. Thank you so much for this body of, of, of believers here to this morning, God. just want to pray for you, pray for all of us, and pray to you, God, that we give up of ourselves and we can give more to others with a true heart, a true servant heart. I pray these things in your son's holy name, in Jesus Christ. Amen.